first and foremost, again, we're so thankful to be able to be here with each and every one of you folks and appreciate your presence tonight. And we're truly humbled and thankful for just what God is doing so far. And we give him all the honor and glory and praise for the way that God's been meeting with each and every one of us. And uh, tonight we're going to do our best. We're going to sing a song. This is probably one of my favorite songs. I do not sing it. Normally my wife sings it. And so tonight we're going to do something that we've only done two other times, and they were on the way here, and that is sing this song together. <laughs> but uh, my wife brought some CDs, some music, and uh, I didn't bring any with me, and uh, I wanted to, uh, this song actually goes very much along with the sermon that God has laid on my heart for this evening, and so I thought it fitting to pray it up good and do our best in the Lord with this song tonight. to 
I think every one of us can probably say God's been good to us, hasn't he? You know, God's good to us even when we don't deserve it. And God's good to us even when we don't recognize it. And I think as children of God that we ought to be purposeful and intentful on praising God and thanking God every day of our lives for the goodness that he bestows upon each and every one of us. And it is uh, also... Uh, once again, a great privilege just for us to even be here with you folks. It has been a tremendous blessing, a tremendous blessing for me and my family to just have a part in worshiping God with you. And we're so thankful for it and just how God's been meeting with us, just reflecting on that today and feeling the presence of the Lord in each service. And I know that I've already said it, but I am someone that I never want to take for granted, feeling the presence of God knowing that He is right here in the midst of us, knowing that help that you might need is right there just a prayer away, knowing that we ought to be praising God always for His goodness, so thankful for it tonight. It's with that thought in mind that I'm going to be preaching to you something very near and dear to my heart, something that I believe is, is very much essential for us to be reminded today, especially with the intent of seeking the face of God for revival. And we'll be in Second Chronicles chapter number 32. While you're turning there, I will tell you, I do thank God also. I had a wonderful time with my dad today. We got to get out and go fishing together. That's something that him and I have not been able to do, actually go trout fishing together. And it, it, it was probably over 10 Probably over 10 years, I would say. I, I, I almost would, my memory would fail me, but I think that before... I moved was probably the last time that I actually went trout fishing with my father. And so we did have a great time today. We both caught our limits and God blessed us, held off the rain. And him and I always have friendly competitions. And I always tell him how I'm going to stomp him into the ground and catch all the fish first. And he does the same thing to me, except he won today. That's just the truth of the matter. I told him I didn't want to, I didn't want to ruin his emotional state and beat him, but the truth of the matter is, he, he, he did better than me. He caught him first, but once I got on to him, the most important thing is, is that I, I finished well. So. But uh, I, I had a great time with him. We did. We had a great time, and uh, uh, just to be able to spend time together and go fishing. I hope, I hope to be able to do it at least one more time before I leave here. Um, but getting back to the Word of God today, Second um, Chronicles chapter number 32, you'll find details in your Bible in 2 Kings, Second uh, Kings chapter 20 that cover the same that we're actually going to read here today, but there's more of a summary, I would say, or a little bit more of a detail. There's a detail mentioned here in Second Chronicles that really is the focal point for the idea of the sermon that God gave me and really that I want to share with you tonight. And it talks about some events that took place in the life of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a wonderful king of Judah. Wonderful king of Judah, Hezekiah was. And Hezekiah did not have a great upbringing. But Hezekiah was someone that made a difference. He was someone that made a decision that he would not be like his father was. And that he would seek the face of God. And when he sought the face of God, God prospered him in all of his ways. So I want to read just a few verses to you tonight, 2 Chronicles 32. I'm going to start reading in verse 22, give you a little bit of background. I won't keep you long tonight, but I believe this is so important. And I pray that your hearts are open and ready to receive from the Word of God this evening. Are you, if you're able to stand, would you stand with me just briefly for the reading and honoring of God's Word? 
verse 22 of 2 Chronicles 32 says, Thus the Lord saved Hezekiah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, from the hand of all other and guided them on every side. And many brought gifts unto the Lord to Jerusalem and presents to Hezekiah, king of Judah, so that he was magnified in the sight of all nations thenceforth. In those days, Hezekiah was sick to death and prayed unto the Lord and he spake unto him and gave him a sign. But Hezekiah rendered not again. Here it is. Look at verse 25. It says, but Hezekiah rendered not again to the benefit that was done unto him. For his heart was lifted up. Therefore there was wrath upon him and upon Judah and Jerusalem. Notwithstanding, Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart, both he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of the Lord came not upon them in the days of Hezekiah. Verse 25 is my text verse. Simply, it says that Hezekiah rendered not again according to the benefit. So he did not give back unto the Lord, did not pay reverence unto the Lord for the great benefit that God had given or done unto him. So it was with that thought in mind that I want to preach to you this sermon tonight. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, again, how I cannot thank you and praise you enough. God, for your goodness, Lord, and your grace. Lord, how I pray tonight, God, for the Spirit of God to touch every heart. Father, both those that are present in this sanctuary, as well as those, God, that are tuning in from afar. God, I believe that you can be right here in the midst of us all. And now we pray tonight for every heart to be good ground, to receive the seed of your word. How we pray that you would be lifted up as we sang, that you would be magnified in this place. And Lord, we will thank you and praise you for it all. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And you may be seated. Now the history leading up into the word of God to where we had read starts with Hezekiah's father. His name was Ahaz. Ahaz was one of the most wicked kings that Judah had ever had set on the throne. Now if you do uh, read the Bible uh, and mainly in Kings and Chronicles, you'll find that most of the time the land of Israel had wicked kings. But the land of Judah prominently, more than not, had uh, good kings that did right in the eyes of the Lord. But not always. There were kings that did raise up and that were evil and that did seek idols and did turn away from God. And Ahaz was one of the most wicked kings that Judah had ever known to sit on their throne. Ahaz was a man that would not seek help from God, but instead he would seek help from other nations. He would seek help in other places instead of seeking God uh, first or not even at all. He wouldn't seek him. He closed up the house of God. He stopped the worship there. He made altars all over Jerusalem, not unto God. And he established high places for the people to worship in. So Judah was corrupt spiritually and morally because of a wicked leader in that day and time. Idolatry, serving false gods, lifting up other things in their lives or hearts that they worship instead of worshiping God was so prevalent in the time of Ahaz. But sooner or later, the process of time took place and Ahaz died. And his son, Hezekiah, reigned in his stead. Hezekiah was nothing like his father. Hezekiah was a good man. He was one of the greatest kings beside David that ever sat on the throne of Judah. And he was one that sought the face of God with all of his heart. He tore down all of the altars that his daddy built up. He undone so much of the wrong that was established in the kingdom unto his father. And he turned away the false gods. He cleansed the temple. He he sought the priests and the Levites to begin to enact the worship of God and the service only unto the Lord. And Hezekiah, God blessed him with great wisdom. He took the river of Gihon and he actually routed it down by the west side of the city to bring the people water that was fresh and that was running and he did many other things that God blessed the works of his hands because he was a man that literally sought the face of God with all of his heart. I believe that There's an example for you and I simply in the life of Hezekiah. It doesn't matter. We may not be a king that rules over a nation, 
But God blessed the works of his hands because Hezekiah shut out all other things and only served God with all every fiber of his very being. God was his desire to be obedient unto him. They began to teach the word of God again like never before. And the people repented of their sinful ways. And there was a great revival that took place under the reign of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was not the one who brought revival. God brought revival, but Hezekiah began to clean up all the dirt and steer the people in the direction of getting rid of the filth of idolatry from the land of Judah. But that also goes to show you, folks, if you're raised in an unholy way, if you are raised up in a way that's not of God, just because your parents are that way doesn't mean that you have to be. You can be the one that changes the eternal destiny of your heritage and be the one that turns away from serving things of this world and puts your faith and your heart all in the Lord and serve Him. Hezekiah did this. And he's proof of such a thing. Some of the things that we see in the life of Hezekiah is, number one, he was helped against an enemy. One of the greatest enemies that ever was in that known world was the Assyrians. Not only were they the greatest adversary that anyone had ever seen, they were the most powerful army in the world at that time. They were some of the most wicked people. You realize that the Ninevites were Assyrians. They were some of the most wicked people that there ever was. The things that they would do unto those that they come up against uh, were horrible. And they were things uh, like the Bible talks about that there are certain things that are ashamed to even speak of. And I won't go into those things that they've done. But you couldn't imagine some of the wickedness that the Assyrians would do unto those that they would come against. And the Assyrians one day established and brought their army to surround Jerusalem. And uh, Sennacherib was the king and he said an ambassador that you read in great detail in 2 Kings 20 and also in probably chapter 19 that you can catch up on later but take my word for it for now but what happened was is that there was a man that came up and he began to speak unto Hezekiah who stood upon the wall and looking down at this man in this army and that this man uh, began to speak against Hezekiah and against God and the things of God and started speaking to the people on the wall that were looking down and seeing this great army and literally told them don't put your trust in God. Don't waste your time in listening to Hezekiah when Hezekiah says, don't worry, God will help us. And the enemy came up against them just like the devil does and says, don't put your faith in God because there's been no other gods of any other nations that were been able to withstand against the king of Assyria. Hezekiah said nothing unto the enemy. There's a great lesson in that for us too. Instead, Hezekiah did the very thing that I believe every one of us need to do when the enemy comes against us. I don't need to talk to the devil. I just need to talk to the Lord. That's exactly what Hezekiah did. He went into the house of the Lord and hit his knees and began to pray and seek the face of God. Isaiah come along with Hezekiah and they both got on their knees and sought the face of God. And God says, don't you worry, Hezekiah, because I'm going to give you victory. God sent one angel. The Bible says one lone angel into the thousands of the camp of the Assyrians and quote unquote 90%, 80% of the army woke up dead. Literally in the morning, all of a sudden, the Bible literally says it. It says that they woke in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. The angel of the Lord came in and totally uh, and sacked that army and the few that were left, including the king of Assyria, got up and ran, tucked tail back to their city where they came from. I'm thankful that I serve a God that will help me against the enemy when he comes against me and it don't look good and it looks like it surely I'm going to lose, but I'm thankful. The Bible gives you and I a very clear path that you and I just need to go to the Lord in prayer. And that's exactly what Hezekiah did. And God rewarded his faithfulness. He was helped against the enemy. Verse 21, just prior to where we begin to read, literally says, it's talking about how God helped them, who cut off all the mighty men of valor. That means the greatest of the warriors and the leaders and captains of the camp of the Assyria. Do you know what happens when you take out the chiefs and a bunch of Indians are left? Chaos. The leaders are gone. We don't know what to do. So run. That's exactly what happened. 
that God took out all the greatest of the, the strength of that army and the few that were left ran back. And by the way, Sennacherib went back into the temple of his God to pray and two of his own sons ended his life in the temple of his own God. God helped Hezekiah against one of the greatest enemies that no one could ever withstand against. But God preserved his people. We see not only that he was helped against the enemy, but number two, he was healed from a fatal illness. The Bible says that Hezekiah fell sick. When Hezekiah fell sick, literally, think about this. Isaiah, the great man of God, receives a message from the Lord and comes in and looks Hezekiah in the face and says, set your house in order, for God says you're going to die and not going to live. He was scared to death. And Hezekiah once again did the very thing like he did when God delivered him from the enemy of the king of Assyria. Hezekiah went to look toward the wall of the temple, got down on his knees and he cried and he prayed unto God and begged God to heal his body and raise him up. Literally, if you read your Bible, you'll find out that Isaiah is still leaving Still at this point that he's leaving at that time. And literally what takes place is that God stops him and says, I've heard Hezekiah's prayer. Go back into the, to the king's palace and tell him that I've heard what he said when he prayed. And he's not going to die, but he's going to live. Isaiah goes back, talks to Hezekiah. Hezekiah gets up with tears in his eyes. And literally Isaiah says, God has heard your prayer." And behold, God says, I'm going to give 15 more years of life unto you, Hezekiah. He says, in three days, you'll go up to the house of the Lord. And literally tells him, yes, you're sick. Yes, it looks like you're going to die. Yes, you have a death sentence. But God heard your prayer. And he is going to raise you up from where you are. And he's going to allow you to serve him for 15 more years. Now, you can look at that. How many of us think that's a great blessing? Amen. Then how many of you realize that you've got a time ticking on you? You know when 15 years is going to come, you're going to die. But nonetheless, he knew that he had 15 years left to do something for God. Now, of course, God raises him up. Hezekiah does. He, he recovers from his sickness, goes into the house of the Lord to be able to worship God again. He was healed from a fatal illness. God even tell he says this, well, why don't you give me a sign that I'm going to be recovered? And Isaiah says, ask which one you're going to want God to do. There was a great sundial called the sundial of Ahaz. And literally, uh, uh, Isaiah said, do you want the dial to go forward 10 degrees or backward 10 degrees? And Hezekiah said, I want it to come backward 10 degrees. Literally taking the sun that was setting and actually bring it right back up in the sky again. 10 steps in that sundial. And you know, that is a beautiful picture of God taking someone that literally their life was coming to an end and the sun was setting on their life, but then God bringing life back to that person once again. God restored him back to a perfect health. I'm thankful that I serve a God that can give life back when it looks like it's leaving. Thank the Lord. And he was helped against an enemy and also helped against this fatal illness. But then thirdly, you see in verse 25, what a tragedy that it simply says that he was haughty after his healing or he was prideful. He was prideful. He was helped against an enemy. He was healed from a sickness, but then he was haughty. He was prideful. Hezekiah began to look around at all of this great blessings that God has given unto him. He looked at the wealth and the riches. He looked at his palace. He looked at the house of the Lord. He looked at the land and see how it prospered. And Hezekiah seen how God delivered him from this and seen how God raised him up to, to full health again, delivered him, gave him 15 more years of life. And other folks hear about this, other leaders from other nations, they hear about this and they begin to come unto the land of Judah, unto Jerusalem. They bring presents, as we've read, unto the Lord, unto Hezekiah as well. Hezekiah begins to take some of these leaders around and show them all around. Hezekiah begins to get lifted up and prideful about all of the goodness that God's bestowed upon him during this time. You see that he quickly forgets the miracles and the moves of God in his life. And he becomes prideful in seeing this kingdom, this riches, this honor, sees these things begin to uh, uh, be all around him. 
Within this last 15 years of his life, he gives, his wife gives birth to a son. His name is Manasseh. Now, unlike today, the bio, in, the, in the Word of God, in the Bible, names had significance. Now, a lot of times, we're just trying to find something that's clever. Something that maybe is unique and a lot of folks haven't maybe heard of before. And sometimes we try to give names symbolism. I'm not saying we don't do that anymore. But in the Bible, names were always about symbolisms. Maybe about a situation. Maybe about a time period of victory or defeat. Maybe about uh, literally uh, uh, their father or a great man of God or woman of God in the family. And those types of things. There was symbolism behind Names in the Bible. It's a great study when you look into the Word of God. Many times you'll see certain names. They deal directly with situations. And this instance in the Word of God is absolutely no different. Manasseh means one who forgets. That's what it means. He names his son one who forgets. Now I want you to understand something here. Manasseh, Manasseh is born Within that 15-year period, you say, how do you know? Because he was younger than 15 years old when he began to reign. So we know that he was born after God healed him. After God healed him for a certainty. And so here we have a man that literally forgot that he was helped. He forgot that he was healed. And he gets haughty and prideful and lifted up. Folks, I believe with all of my heart... That there is a danger in forgetting the goodness, the touch, the help of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, because we get to a place many times that we forget about the goodness of God, we do not render according to the benefit. You say, what do you mean? How many times in your life have you been somewhere where no one else was? Maybe in your bedroom, maybe in the living room, and you're on your knees because you're in a great storm of life. And you're begging God with tears in your face that God would give you victory, that God would give you healing, that God would give you help. And in those times of desperation, we promise God sometimes a whole lot of things. But you know what happens? Most of the time, we never keep the word that we pray and we beg God for. God will raise us up or God sweeps in and he saves the day. And so many times we forget about rendering unto the Lord according to the benefit that God gave us. That literally means that he didn't praise God, that he forgot about God when God was so very good to him. I know that there's times in my life that I have also been guilty of this very thing, that God has come and done the miraculous. God has showed up and no one could explain it away by science or some kind of coincidence whatsoever, but I knew that it was God and oh, how life gets so busy that we literally get to a place that we start to forget about these great pinnacles and great pillars of of things in our life that God has done for us to where we're still not thanking Him anymore for those great moves of God. I don't know about you, but just last night in itself, God done something in answer to my prayer I've been praying for for years after years because I watched two of my nephews and one of my nieces, three children out of five in my brother's family, literally one by one, give their heart and life genuinely to Jesus Christ. And I just want to thank God right now for doing such a thing. God hears our prayer and I never want to get over the fact that I've watched them Literally, I told my brother, I said, how pumped are you? That's what I said to him today. How pumped are you that three of your kids at the same time gave their heart and life to Jesus Christ last night? And he said, oh, I'm real pumped. And you know, we ought to never get over those types of things. When we look back and remember times when our family was broken, remember times that someone was sick, Remember times that we were facing things that looked like you surely would never get through. But guess what? Here we are. Why? Because God was faithful to us. And I wonder how many times have we not rendered unto Him according to the benefit. When was the last time you came to an altar not to ask for a thing? But just to say, Lord, I thank you for doing exactly what you said you would do. I thank you for being faithful. 
And Lord, I ask you to forgive me for the times in my life that I simply don't pay you enough a praise, that I don't give you enough honor and glory. How many times, literally, when we look at our lives and literally see that there was a day and a time spiritually that the sun was setting on you, your sins were making it get darker and darker, and you were coming towards a place where surely you'd be lost forever, but then all of a sudden the Son of God showed up when you were lost and undone in your sins and totally dirty and unworthy and saved you and brought that son back up in your life again and gave you a brand new life. How often do we not thank God for the day that he saved you? For the day when he looked on you and you thought, well, surely I've sinned too much. How can he forgive me? And he did when you prayed and asked him to do so. How many times literally that God does give us food when we're hungry, clothes, a roof over our head. Listen, jobs when we're out of work, comfort when you're broken, healing when you're sick, company when you're lonely. And we have not rendered unto God according to the benefits that he's paid unto us. We literally see here that he forgot all about it. You say, well, how could he? How many of us have said, Lord, if you just do this, I'll be faithful to you. I will not miss a time in your house. I will stand up and I'll praise you in the church. Did you ever do it? How many times do we say, oh, I'm going to render, Lord, according to this benefit. I'm going to do this. If I'm being honest tonight, I'm just guilty. There's been times in my life that I've realized that I said, oh, God, I'll be like this and I'll do this. And God is faithful and he does it. And and and. After a certain period of time when I end up getting to a place where soon I've forgotten the word that I gave unto the Lord. God forgive me. Forgive us that we find ourselves at places where we do not render according to the benefit. Now if the Bible did not give any further account right then and there that it would be surely a miserable situation. But I'm thankful that the word of God says that fourthly and finally even though that God did help him against the enemy even though that God did heal him from his sickness, and he did get haughty, prideful in heart, and forget God. But he was also come to a place where he was humbled in heart. It says plainly in verse 26, Notwithstanding, Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart, both he and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. What did he do? He submitted himself to God. He realized his error. He repented. And what a beautiful picture of God's grace to recover us. God's grace to recover us. God's grace to sweep down and and lift Hezekiah back out of the pridefulness again and literally restore him once again. How it's time for us to take a look at our lives and really say, Lord, have I been rendering according to the benefit? How do you render according to the benefit? I'm going to tell you like three quick things and literally just mention them and then we'll close. You praise God. You thank Him. I want you to be, I want you to be clear about something. Praise is not just something that you do in the church house. Praise is not just something that you do at home by yourself. Praise is something that you do here, you do there, you do everywhere. We ought to be living in a continual uh, a state of thankfulness and gratefulness for the goodness of God in our life. All too many times we take for granted when we look around and see the homes that we live in and we see the clothes that we have. The truth of the matter is, I want you to understand, I still have more clothes than I even wear. My wife literally has more shoes than she can handle. And she doesn't have all that much, to be honest. I want you to understand that when I go to the cupboard or open the refrigerator in my house, there's things that sit there that sadly I don't touch simply because I don't feel like eating it right now. I feel like eating something else. And normally it's called eating out. And it's not has to do with something in the refrigerator. Literally, we're at a place, and I want you to understand that I personally believe that this country has experienced so much prosperity that it has caused us to forget God's goodness. It's caused us to forget it. There was a missionary, this is true, from another country, that there was an American preacher that was talking unto him and said, I want you to know that we're praying for you. 
We're praying for you right now where you're serving God in those hostile areas. We're praying for you. And he says, and we're praying for you. He says, you're praying for us. He said, yeah. He says, because the West have so much that they don't realize how much they need God. He said, people here realize it because they don't have anything. We think that blessings are measured in the things that we have, but they're not. But even for those things that we have, many times we don't thank God for them. I have two cars at my house. That's something that I praise God for. There's some folks that are riding their bike everywhere they go. There's some folks that got to actually have someone take them from here to there. I could name eternity of things to you tonight. But more than anything, the greatest blessing that I have is that I'm saved and on my way to heaven. And not just that, my wife is saved and on her way to heaven. And not just that, that my 11-year-old daughter is saved and on her way to heaven. I'm so thankful tonight that the greatest blessing that I have is that the Lord looked on my family and saved every one of our souls. And I'm thankful to be able to say tonight that when I leave this world, it's someday soon after, if we all go together or we all go by ourselves, we're going to end up meeting up in the same place. God has literally kept my family together for an eternity. How many times do we not render according to the benefit of such a thing? Folks, every one of us in here, I've asked God for things that only heaven could help you with. But I want you to understand tonight, do we really render according to the benefit? We praise God is how we render according to the benefit. We share the gospel. We share the goodness of God. Do you realize that there are folks that get more excited over Penn State than they do about Jesus? Do you realize there are folks that get more excited about the Cincinnati Reds? You say, is that possible? It is. (laughs) That literally get more... I'm a Cincinnati Reds fan. There are more people that get excited about... They jump up and down like this when they're watching their TV and they're screaming and they're shouting, but you know what? They're like this in church. (laughs) Praise the Lord. More like this, What's wrong with us? You realize we get more excited about things of this world and don't even realize that we're not giving God honor and glory that's due unto His name because He's been so good to us. We get more more excited over things of this life than we do about things of the next. He didn't render according to the benefit, but thank God He humbled Himself. Folks, tonight, as I'm closing... Would we care to come maybe play a song? Thank you so much. I appreciate you. I ask you tonight, are you rendering according to the benefit? You read Psalm 103. Starts listing some of the benefits that God has bestowed upon us. Talks about how He has not, he has not paid you according to your sins. Your sin should have rewarded you one way, but God has not allowed you to be paid according to the penalty of your sins. If you've been saved, that's exactly what took place. And it starts talking about the goodness of God, how He pities us. He looks on us with compassion. How He separated our sins from the east as far as from the east as from the west. And I'm a simple-minded man, but you understand that you can travel east all of your life and never hit west. And you can travel west all of your life and never hit east. But if you travel north, eventually you're going to be going south. And if you travel south long enough in this world, eventually you're going to be going north. I don't believe that's a mistake in the Bible. Literally, God has separated our sins from us for an eternity. Why don't we render according to the benefit? Why don't we share the goodness of God with someone and say, you know what? I want you you to understand something that God has done for me that I was praying about. Or if someone looks at you and says, hey, how in the world did you ever get through that? We say, oh, well, God helped me. And we leave it at that. But why don't we really get down to it and say just exactly what God did to help you? That's how we render according to the benefit. And I believe tonight that one of the great, great things of revival, if we really want to be revived, is that our praise, our thankfulness needs to be revived. That God should be praised for all things that He's done and that which He'll do. 
There's nothing wrong with coming to an altar and asking God for help. And if you have a need tonight, I encourage you that you would do it. But I believe that there's also times that we should come unto God simply to say, Lord, I'm here just to thank you for this, 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 and continue to name. God knows what He did for you, but God wants to hear that you're thankful for those things. And I wonder tonight in the house of God, if there's anyone this evening that just simply wants to come and render according to the benefit and say, Lord, thank you. Folks, I want you to understand something about an altar. It is literally a place that is designated for nothing else other than the prayer between God and His people. We can pray anywhere, it's true. But the altar is something that is a special, special place. And I believe that God meets with us in special ways when we come and we come to an altar like this. Some of you may say, well, preacher, I can't get down at the altar. That's okay. You can sit right there. And there and there. And over here and here and here. I tell my church folk all the time, don't let the devil rob you of a blessing. You can sit. You can make the journey as far as you can go. And God will meet you there. Maybe tonight, if you're not saved, you don't know Jesus as your Savior. The Lord loves you. The devil doesn't care about you. He says, wait, just put it off. But God loves you. Jesus died for you while you were yet a sinner. And I don't care what you've done tonight, what you've done in eternity past. If you come tonight and lay it down before the Lord and ask Him to forgive and save your soul, put your faith in what Jesus has done for you by taking your punishment on Calvary's cross. And when you call on the name of the Lord, the simplicity of salvation is, is that you shall be saved. It's nothing to do with what you could possibly do or work for it. It's a gift. And I could take my wallet out and give you the $5 that I got. And it's not yours until you reach out and take it. Oh, it's right here. I'll give it to you. But you got to come get it. Salvation's no different. It's been paid, bought, and wrapped for you. And you have to come and you have to take it unto yourself. It's a gift. Maybe tonight you want to come and partake in the goodness of God. Give your heart to Jesus Christ. How I pray that you'd come. And maybe tonight you just want to come and you want to say thank you, Lord. Thank you for a wife that stands by me, a husband that stands by me. Thank you for my kid. Thank you for the roof over my head. Thank you for saving my soul. Our thankfulness, our appreciation needs to be revived. We need to be thankful people. The Christian should be the most thankful people on the face of the world. Don't be ashamed about coming to the altar. Folks, it's important to come. And I always look at it like this. If Jesus can walk the Via Dolorosa and walk the hill of Calvary for me, I can get up and I can walk 15, 20, 25, 30 steps to an altar just to sit down and say, thank you, Jesus all over the church house tonight if you're able to come to your feet would you stand and if the Lord has spoken to you as this wonderful beautiful song is playing don't wait just step out and come down right here right now how about rendering unto God according to the benefit how about coming and thanking Him how about coming and praising Him tonight You know, the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of His people. You want the presence of God, then you ought to start thanking and praising Him. How about it tonight? Oh Lord, if you just meet this need, I'll thank you. I'll thank you. You know what? Don't wait for Him to meet it. Thank Him on credit. Come down right now and thank God. Thank God for what He's going to do. There's more room. There's a whole other row right here that you can come and pray at. You can come sit down on this stage. But won't you come and thank God tonight? Oh, thank you, Lord, for what you're doing tonight for us, Jesus.
been so good to each and every one of us. He's been better to us than you'll ever be able to repay. It's not about repaying. It's about acknowledging what God's done. Hezekiah couldn't possibly repay the goodness of God. But Hezekiah needed to acknowledge it. And this evening, it's not about repaying God. It's about acknowledging the goodness of God in your life. It's about looking back and seeing His hand each and every single day. Oh Lord, Your people have come to thank You tonight. Thank You, Jesus, for what You've done for each and every one of us. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, Oh, how I pray that you'd grab someone, take them by the hand and have them come with you. Come down to this altar tonight and pray between you and God. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins. Come into your heart and save you. I'm telling you, you'll never regret it. You'll wish that you did it yesterday. (laughs) Never met anyone who got saved and said, you know what, I wish I'd have waited a little longer. Everyone says, I wish I'd have done this a long time ago. How about it tonight? Bless your name, Jesus. Bless your name tonight. There's still time if you want to come. You'll never thank God enough. But tonight you have an opportunity to step out and come down and pray and just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise to God. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Appreciate that so much. Praise unto the Lord.
Praise the Lord. Amen. What a wonderful place to be tonight. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else than in God's house. Where you're always glad that you came, huh? You are. So thankful tonight for what the Lord does and how He reminds us of His goodness. Praise God so very, very, very much. If you have, have any need at all, folks, this is still a time of prayer. You can still come. If you need to be seated, you may do so. But we're thankful for this great opportunity that we have to be able to just come say thank you unto the Lord or come pray and ask God for heaven's help. He knows what we need. Hearts full of thanksgiving. Oh God, you've done so much for us, for me. Praise his name. What a worthy, what an awesome God. What an awesome God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Would you stand? Lord God, I feel like we're we're in a holy place tonight. Where you are, there's a holy place. And where your people hear your voice and respond to you, God, oh, there's, there's a richness. There are showers of blessings, God. There are showers of your presence. And Lord, to hear that voice again speaking to our hearts. Thank you, God. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for life. Thank you for waking us up today. Thank you, God, for your promises. Thank you, God, for eternity. And that Jesus uh, goes to prepare a place for us, God. That Jesus came that we'd have life and have it to the full. Thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you for this time together tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for our brother to share with us tonight, God. Thank you for all that you've done. Lord God, we love you. We worship you. We seek you. God, help us to hear over and over and over again and again and again what you have to say to us, I pray. Praise God. Thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.